is about you and then beyond you. And we need to understand that. And if you've ever named Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you're in the body whether you want to be or not. The question is, are you functional? You can be in a large company. And you can be there every day. You clock in. But you just walk around doing nothing. I mean, when I first hired into Chrysler, they assigned me to a gentleman by the name of Hap. And Hap had a pair of pliers and a screwdriver in his pocket. And it could have been the worst person that they assigned me to. We hit every brake area in eight hours at Chrysler. And Hap would go back and tell the foreman, I couldn't finish the job, but he had so much time in, they couldn't do nothing with him anyhow. You have to choose to be a worker in the body of Christ. And that comes about only when you really understand what God has done for you. When you take in the totality of what God has done personally for you, out of that comes a heart of appreciation that wants to give back to God in anything that is asked of you. I want to do it. I want to do it. But most of all, we need to understand that we are a part of the body of Christ, and many people don't even know that. Therefore, they can linger out here and do nothing. You cannot really function. And you'll hear people say this all the time. I don't have to be in church to be a Christian. You're right. But you're non-functional. You're non-functional. Because you have to be part of the body to function. Now, if you've accepted the Lord as Savior, you are in that body. Whether you, boy, function or not. The reason I know you're in that body is because the Holy Spirit placed you in that body. And... The whole process, he placed you there. He wants to equip you. But you are the one that has to yield yourself to the working of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in your life. You have to do that. You have to surrender yourself that the Holy Spirit can do the work that he so desired to do in you that you might truly glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you can't glorify God in the flesh. But only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and look at verse 18. and Look at what he says here in that verse 18. He simply says in this manner, in that 18th verse, Oh boy. 
But in fact, God has arranged or God has placed you the part, but in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. You're placed where God wants you to be. The question is, are you functioning? Are you performing? Are you doing? Because you're placed in. But are you doing? Are you learning? So that you can function. Now, are you a self-appointed critic? I have two brothers who are ordained, but... uh, One of them has passed on, but one's still living. He's in Texas, and when he was here in Akron, he got put out of every church here in Akron. His job was to go around and correct the pastor in those churches. Remember one church he was in, the pastor made a big mistake and asked him to have some comments. He invited him up to his platform and asked him to have some comments after his sermon. And he started correcting the pastor's sermon. And it's very easy to criticize the church. The question I will ask you, how involved are you in the church? And that becomes a real issue. Secondly, are you a participant in the work of the body? Are you really a participant in the work? Are you really running the race with the rest of us? Or are you sitting over here you're observing and you're criticizing but you're not participating. And much of God's church today are more observers than they are participants. And you're in the body to function. Thirdly, are you there only as a spectator? Just to see what God's doing See, how many of you would like to play for the NFL? National Football League. How many of you would love to get that check? But never get one grass stain on your uniform. You get to go watch the game and draw a big check. But you never play in a game. And that's a lot of us as Christians. We're waiting for that big payday. We got our uniform on of Christianity. But we've never got into the game. And yet we want all these blessings.
You're more than a spectator. You've been called, as James says, not to only be a hearer, but to be a doer of the word. Do you see yourself as an important part of the body? And, and that's one of the biggest issues of all these. Do you see yourself as a necessary part of the body? Whether you're weak or strong, whether you're intellect or not, everybody's word we need to hear, every opinion we need to hear, every constructive criticism we need to hear, every plan we need to hear. We need to hear from everybody. That's the function of the body. And you're important. And you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be an elder, deacon. You don't have to be this individual or that individual. Every one of you have a voice to help us catch this now. To help us to understand the will of God for Aquin Alliance Fellowship. And what God would have us to do. No one person can make that decision. No two or three of us can make that decision. We need to hear from all of you. When it comes to what God would have us to do. That's the function of the body. That's the function of the body. The sad part about it sometimes, we can't even get the body together to hear what we're trying to do. But you want to hear, you want to input. You want to hear, you want to... You may only speak one time, but that one time may be the wisdom that comes from God. How important are you? You are very, very, very important. Not about how much you give in the church. Some people think, boy, if I give a lot, I got a lot to say. No, it has nothing to do with what you give. It has to do with your heart for the Lord and your service for the Lord. That's why the body is there. We come together, and we need to understand this principle. We come together to learn together so that we might what? Function together. That when we move, we move in unison. We move as one. And the function of the body has to be that there's that oneness that is there. And that's the best way for the body to move. As one, not as individuals. Now, hurray! Don't try to look it up in the dictionary. I have. It's not there. It's one of those made-up military terms. It comes from uh, paratroopers. The meaning is how they've coined it. These guys would get up early in the morning, four or five in the morning, run up the hill. Hooray! 
run back down the hill. And they would train this way for jumping out of an airplane. And the meaning of the word is, we stand alone, but together. We stand alone, but together. When you get ready to jump out the plane, we all can't stand where? In that open space. You have to stand there alone. And when that buzzer go off or that light go off, you have to make the decision to what? Jump. When God calls us, he calls us as what? An individual, but then he ties us to a unit. And after they hit the ground, they become one unit, fighting together, suffering together, victory together, overcoming obstacles together. But when they jump off the plane, they're individuals. But once they hit the ground, they become a unit. They become one. And they function as that one. For in the body of Christ, we stand alone, yes. Because each one of us was called at a different time. Each one of us are at different levels in the body of Christ. And each one of us have to make our own jump for the Lord. Because the Lord may call you to do something for your faith might grow that you have to take this jump. But everybody's not jumping with you, but you're jumping because God is speaking to you and calling you into something. And you're the one who has to jump. But once you jump and your feet hit the ground, then there are other Christians there that you are able to link to and you become one unit, one body, that you're no longer the individual or by yourself, but that you're functioning with a body. Go to 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Look at that verse 12. He says, the body is a unit. The body is a unit. One. One. We're a unit. We function as a unit. We work as a unit. We accomplish things as a unit. Pastor Brown could accomplish nothing in and of himself by himself. None of us can accomplish very much by ourselves. But as a body of Christ, we can touch a community. As a body of Christ, we can do something to touch other lives together. And when we do it together, it strengthens us and people are able to see the Christ working in us and through us for his own glory. They're able to see a body of believers in obedience to the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. Never forget the pastor is not the head. Elders are not the head. No one individual in the church or even group in the church is the head. The head is Jesus Christ. And what we're hoping to hear is hear from him. To hear from him. And he says, you're a unit. You're one. Now, read a little bit further. 
though it is made up of many parts, that's the individuality. God didn't stamp us to make us all alike. Why? Because each one of us brings something to the table. Each one of us bring our knowledge of God to the table. Each one of us bring a solution to the table. Each one of us encourage each other or help each other or minister to each other. We have a purpose in this body. Yes, we're individuals. But do you know how hard it is to lose your individuality? (laughs) That you might function as one? Because on this side, you might win a battle today, but you're still functioning. You didn't pick up your marbles and go home. You didn't take your baseball and go home. But on the next one, you may win the battle. And people may join in with you. And boy, they're all functioning with you. We don't function based on my preference. We don't function based on, oh, they didn't do what I wanted them to do. We function as a unit, as one, based on the knowledge that we have of the goal that we're after and if it's God's will that we run after it. And he says, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. Many parts, one body. I was asking the Lord, Lord, would you show me a little illustration I can show the people? Beth, come on up here a moment. See, I got to pick on somebody. You got two hands? Show them your two hands. Is one left and one right? Now, suppose the left hand said it wanted to be the right hand. It wouldn't fit very well. Why wouldn't it fit? Because it's going in opposite directions. Yeah. Now, I'm going to do something with you. Now, she said it would go in opposite direction. Put your hands in opposite direction. Yeah. Now, grab hold of this. <laughs> Don't fit very well. It'll fall right out. <laughs> Turn around the other way. Don't even fit. Grab hold of that. See the difference? God meant for this left hand to be what? And the right hand, and they cannot say, oh, the left hand can't say, I want to be the right hand. Right hand can't say, I want to be, look very much alike. But when it comes to function, go ahead and sit down. Thank you. (laughs) She's ready to go. Been ready to go. But just think about it. This hand here cannot curl around this piece. Can do it this way. Can't function this way. 
And God put it together that the whole body might be profitable. The whole body might be blessed because I can grab this. And God has put you in the body that the whole body might be blessed. Not just for you as an individual, but what is good for the whole body. And there's many parts, but they're not interchangeable per se. Because God made it that way. Now, look at me at verse 12. Look, look in Scripture. Look at verse 12 with me. Chapter 12, verse 7. Look what he says. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit, or the working of the Spirit in a person's life, is given for the common what? For the common good. That as we function together, we are blessing each other. It's for the common good. We're causing each other to be profitable. But not only that, as our cup runneth over, guess who we are a blessing to? Those outside. But in here we learn. We learn. We learn how to suffer long with each other. We learn how to show love to each other. We learn how to show kindness to each other. We learn how to encourage each other to keep moving forward. Why? Because Paul says, I press on. And when you're pressing, you're pressing against something. And we encourage you to keep on pressing on, moving on for the glory of Christ. Yes, life is not fair. Life is not easy. Life sometimes gives you a raw deal. But yet, you need to keep what? Pushing on. And he said it's for the common good. So as we look at spiritual gifts, your gift is not about you. You've been given that gift to work on somebody else. And somebody else's gift is given to work on you. And to be used for the glory of God. When the body of Christ functions well, the world outside sees Jesus. Now, there's two ways that the church can function. It can function under the authority of Jesus Christ, under the will of God, or it can function out of the flesh. It can function out of the flesh. And the whole process is something that sometimes can be very difficult to determine. One thing in the church shouldn't really be any secrets. We're not the Masons. We're not some other group. Everything in the church should be done decently and in order. Shouldn't be any secrets. And everything should be open for everyone can discern. If this is the right decision, if this is the right thing to do. Because it's for the good of the whole. Now when the body of Christ functions well, I said, the world outside sees it too. 
And the purpose of our function is to bring what? Glory to who? To God. Go to 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Just one page over for some of you, and some of you is just a look over. In 10.31, it says this. So whether you eat or drink, and then it says, or whatever you do. Well, what does it mean by whatever I do? Whether I go to work, whether I'm in the supermarket, whether I'm at home with my kids, whether I'm just leaning across the fence talking to my neighbor, whether I'm outside digging a hole, whatever I do, look what it says. Whatever you do, do it all for what? The glory of God. Not for self. There's times I have to stop and remind myself who I am in Christ. And Gus Brown sometimes don't want to do everything (laughs) that God is asking of Gus Brown. (laughs) But I do it. And then afterwards I say, boy, that was great. (laughs) We have to still yet learn to die to self. And guess what? I have to still learn to die to self that Christ might be glorified it's not about lifting up this person that person I praise God for this don't you ever set up a table for me and nobody else sit at that table and that's pastor's table no a good shepherd always makes sure of what? The sheep are first taken care of. Not him. Yes, every pastor could use a little bit more money maybe. But God will pay him well. And God will take care of us. The same God I'm asking you to depend on Guess who I got to depend on? Yes. And I need to live in such a way that I am depending on him. Just like I'm asking you to depend upon him. And we need to understand whatever we do, whether I'm preaching, teaching Sunday school, whether I'm having a Bible study at home with a neighbor, or whether I'm at lunch on my job and have the scriptures open with somebody else, I'm not doing that to glorify self. I'm doing it to glorify him who is Lord of my life. Big difference. Now, the body is formed to teach, to learn, and to function together. Guess what? If you're outside the church, how much learning are you really going to do? Very little. Very little. Because we are called to sharpen each other. Arm sharpens one another. 
as it hits. So when you come into church, it's not by if you like folks, because folks should be hitting you upside the head, hitting you in the belly, hitting you here, hitting you in places unexpected. Why? We're sharpening each other. And you can't sharpen anything without it hitting. It has to make contact. And that's a good thing when sometimes even when sparks fly. Why? It makes me hold my temper. It makes me hold my tongue. It makes me to have to rethink something. The body is formed to teach. And in that teaching aspect, we're learning. Why is it that it's mandatory that our children go to school? That they might learn how to function where at in a society, but not only function, but be a blessing or cause that society to profit. There's a purpose for education. It's not just to educate you to do nothing, but that you might learn to function with others in a classroom. You're learning how to work with other people. That one day when you get on a job, guess what? You're going to have to work with other people, whether you like them or don't like them. Sometime in school, you have to play on the same basketball team with somebody that you may not care for. You may have play on football team with somebody you didn't care for. You may have had to work in the cafeteria with somebody you didn't care for. But you learn to do it. In church, you're learning. You're being taught. You're learning to love your enemy. You're learning how to, boy, love those who talk against you. You're learning how to bless people and be a blessing in their lives. Not based on what they give to you or what they do to you, but you're learning that God wants to flow through you and that when He flows through you, He will bless for others. It's not a selection of who you want God to bless. It's who God desires to bless. You're only the vessel that he uses. And you learn to function. If you can't function in here, you definitely can't function out there. Just a couple of things as we prepare to close here, or four or five things we're going to look at. One of the hardest things for people to do today is to listen. Just take a concordance and go through the Bible and just listening. Most of the time it's going to be referring to God. God listens to my prayer. God listens to my cry. God listens. But if God listens, shouldn't you and I learn to listen? How do you really care about somebody else if you don't what? Listen. How do you gather understanding if you're not what? Listening. 
And how do you gather knowledge unless you listen? Go to Philippians 2 and go to verse 4 with me. And and hear what he's going to say here. 2-4. He says, Each of you should look not only to your own interests, not for the only things that you care about, Ready? But also the interest of who? Others. Others. Now, if you don't care about others and to listen to others, you're not going to understand the values of others. At our district conference a week or so ago, um, we're going through a whole new teaching that started in 2003 and is being adapted at many of the workplaces. And it's because there's so many different cultural groups beginning to be in a small area and to be able to value each other's culture and values. We just started a new Filipino church in our district. And when the district superintendent, the assistants, district superintendent met with him, the gentleman went, he bowed to him, because in the Philippines, you bow to those who are of a higher authority. So that's what he did. And then he said, whatever you command me to do, I will do it. Now, that's back in the Philippines. You in America now. <laughs> so as they was going through this personality types and so forth, my question was, I hope our district superintendent doesn't get used to. And secondly, when a person has to give up a cultural value, what struggle do they go through? Because see, by second or third generation, guess what his children won't be doing? But to him, that's a high value. That's a high value to him. That's important to him. That's important to say to someone in authority, I'll do whatever you command me to do. Now, we take the other person's interest, but how about his interest? What's, how much do we care about him? To even maybe say to him, this is not necessary. You did that in your country. Maybe there's a reason for that. If you didn't do that in recognizing people in authority, something would happen to you. But in this country, it's just a handshake, not a bowing. And when you have to give up something that you've been raised with, that's a value to you and very important to you, what do you suffer when that takes place?
And we need to understand that even within the church. That when people give up a value or something that is important to them, there's a grieving process. There's a process that says, I have to rethink this now. Was this an eternal value or an earthly value? Go to Proverbs 5.13. But if you listen, you'll listen to the other person. You'll take their interest to heart. And you'll mean good to them. In 5.13, he simply says it in this fashion here. I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. When you don't listen to your instructors and you don't listen to your teachers, who do you really hurt? Yourself. When you don't listen to your teachers or your instructors, you really hurt yourself. A couple chapters over, Proverbs 23. And just take a look here at what he says take place here in this section here. Proverbs 23. We're going to hit verse 19 first, and then 22. 23:19. Get my eyes focused here. Listen, my son. He's instructing a son to listen. He's instructing a daughter to listen. Listen, my son, and be wise. Now, now hook those two things together. You become wise and wiser when you learn to what? Listen. Listen. And he says, listen, my son, and be wise, and keep your heart on the right path. Keep your heart where? On the right path. How are you going to keep your feet on the right path? How are you going to stay correct on your journey? and not get detoured or side if you're willing to listen to instructions. If you're willing to hear the instructions of a father. Go down to verse 22. Listen to your father. Just think if many fathers were in the house giving instruction to their children how those children might stay on the right path. And just think of those who have fathers in home. Really take it serious what fathers listen to. But then fathers have to really listen to who? Their children. You don't know where your children are. You don't know the heart of your children. You don't really know your children's interests. You really don't know how your children expect respect authority unless you are listening to them. But it tells us we need to listen to one another. We need to really hear one another. Listen to your father who gave you what? Life. And do not despise your mother when she is what? Old. Old. 
Still listen. Still listen. Now, we work together to find godly solution for worldly problems. We all come into the church broken, hurt, saddened. But as Christ restores us, he works in our lives differently. But there is somebody who you can relate to. There's somebody who has a similar episode in life. As Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. So when you look at people, sometimes maybe you haven't been through their problem. You haven't been through something similar that they've gone through. But you need to listen. And if you listen long enough, you'll hear somebody else who has gone through something very similar. I have not gone through a divorce. I don't know the pains of a divorce. I don't know the fights that take place during a divorce. But as I listen to other people, I learn and I gather wisdom and knowledge about that. I don't know what to be an absentee father all my life. And then when I'm 50 years old, I want to have some contact with my children, but don't know how to reach out to them, don't know what to say to them. But as you listen to others, you hear it. You hear it. And that's the wisdom that we gather from each other. That's the knowledge we gather from each other. And we can bring then solutions to the table as we learn that is helpful rather than just blamefulness. We bring solutions to the table. Go to John 17, 15 through 17 with me. St. John, because see, you're here for a reason. 15 to 17. And Jesus is saying, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world. Well, hey, Lord, you saved me. Bring me on home now. No. I'm going to teach you how to be the light of the world. I'm going to teach you how to be the salt of the world. I'm going to teach you how to counsel people, how to correct people. I'm going to teach you how to minister to people. I'm going to teach you how to be gentle with people. I'm going to teach you to understand something. Life is not just about you. Because now you're dead, but alive to Christ. That he can use you however he so desired to use you. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Why do you need protection if you're not doing anything? Understand this. If you're not doing anything, Satan's not going to bother you. He'll let you sit on the sideline all day long. You know, in some NFL teams and some basketball teams, they never have to form a defense for a person because they know that person never gets in the game. But you let somebody who can score... They got to come up with a defense for them. They got to come up with a way to stop them. And see, if you can score for heaven, Satan's out here trying to stop you. 
They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Why? We're going to be sharing truth. We're going to be sharing truth. Go over to John 18, 19 and 20. John 18, 19 and 20. I want you to hear what Jesus is saying here. That we ought to also be doing in a sense. Uh, in verse 19. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his what? His teaching. When last time you've been questioned about your teaching? When last time you've been questioned about what you believe? But go on down in the 20. Look what Jesus says. I have spoken openly to the world. Openly to the world. Even in that little slot that you saw me in, I struggled with the issue that I used Jesus. Because I noticed a lot of times Jesus is blanked out. But judge was not blanked out. And yet we will all be judged by him. <laughs> and we will give an account to him. And they didn't blank any of that out. And even the word repent and our desire to see this person turn. The whole process, how do I speak to a dying world that doesn't? But they want to hear it. They want to hear it. And speak meaningful to them. And he says, boy, yeah, I'm right there. And I want to speak. He says, I have spoken openly to the world. The church needs to speak openly to the world. So we're solving even world problems as we are giving godly solutions to world problems, earthly hurts, and sorrows. We all have a contribution to make with our spiritual gifts. Don't count yourself as someone who cannot contribute to the body of Christ. You don't have to have a college degree to contribute to there's one doctor in one of our schools in the United States who teaches in the religious department and I'm going to have to read some of his Excerpts and something. He's a Lutheran, dedicated Lutheran, and he goes most of the time. But he says, 
it's time for us to come up with another myth. Because the myth that we're using today doesn't fit. People don't believe that God spoke to Moses and gave Moses the Ten Commandments. We've got to come up with another myth. And he calls it, we have to develop another lie to catch people. Because people have heard this myth of Jesus Christ too long and they're not buying it anymore. So we have to come up with another lie, with another myth that will catch the ears of people. If the gospel itself, if the word of God doesn't captivate you, nothing else will. Nothing else will. And that's why we speak it to the world. That's why you allow on the back of the bulletins and it simply says because of you others are hearing God's word and growing spiritually you have a direct involvement in the life of others through your giving if it wasn't for you that little excerpt would have never went that sign out there would have never been put up if it wasn't for you I may not be standing here. If it wasn't for you, Melvin may not be teaching Sunday school. If it wasn't for you and what you do, the one for today, and I wrote about four or five of these because I want you to know I appreciate you. We appreciate one another. It simply says, I am grateful for each one of you. You are a vital part of this ministry. You're a vital part. Maybe only you, the only thing you do is pray. Praise God. If you can go through the day praying for each one of the saints in this congregation, that's a blessing. You're covering us with the blood of Christ. You're helping us to battle that battle with the enemy by your prayers. If you're the one who only comes in and says, well, I need to pick that piece of paper up off the floor. You just made Greg's job a little easier. If you just come in here, Donna comes in, and she's not the cook no more. But Donna will come in here and grab two or three kids and just be hugging on them and so forth. And the kids run up to her. And the other day, a couple weeks ago, one of the kids was up here that she had when it was down here. And that big old rascal came in and just hugged her. You are a vital part. You are a vital part. Your generosity is helping in so many ways. And only in eternity will we know the difference it has made in the life of others. What you give, even if it's the widow's might, we don't know how that's going to affect the life of others. But one day in eternity, we will know because of our obedience and our giving. We are all part of this body. The body formed to bring information 
And you bring information. You bring knowledge. You bring insight to the body. The body is formed to challenge our thoughts, that we challenge each other. We listen to each other. Because you challenge that thought may cause me to have to go back and what? Rethink it over. You may have brought in something I didn't see prior. And you are the one then because you're willing to come in and speak and share in love. And remember what scripture says, speak the truth how? In love. When you speak the word of God in love and really caring, people listen. People will hear you. The body is found to challenge our thoughts with each other. Why? Proverbs 27 says, iron sharpens iron. And we're there to hear each other. And the body is formed to seek the will of God. To seek the will of God. And I thank God for the men that he's put around me that I can ask and I can hear and that they love this church they love the people and they care about doing the right thing and I thank God for the women I get chewed out more by the women than I do the men But to hear them, to hear all of you. Let's close out with First Peter four two. First Peter four two. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires. If you're saved, you're not interested in living the rest of your life just pleasing yourself. But rather, for the will of God. For the will of God. That you desire to really know God's will for your life and God's will as much as he will share with you for the life of others. And God's will to give you a voice that will help guide the church because we're all seeking what? God's will. God's will. You're part of the body of Christ because God sees you as valuable and important. And he's put you in there to be an ambassador for him. For him. And you speak for his kingdom. You speak for his glory. You speak for his praise. You speak that his will 
might be known and accomplished by the body of Christ. Amen? Father, we want to thank you and praise you, Lord. That, Lord, you're able to guide each and every one of us. Help us, Lord, to have ears to hear. Help us, O God, to desire to do what is right in your sight. Help us to do, Lord, that which will be pleasing unto you. And help us, Lord, to help each other to grow in Christ. May we take the interests of each other seriously. May we hear each other's thoughts. May we value each other's, Lord, desire and will for you. That, Lord, when someone says, I want to do this for her, Lord, and they sense an unction of God upon them, help us, Lord, to gather around them, Lord, that they might perfect that will of God in their life. Help us, Lord, as a body to encourage each other. Not just down each other, criticize each other, destroy each other, gossip, gossip, gossip about each other, but to literally, oh God, take a real interest and lift each other up. We are the body of Christ. We are called to function in unity and in oneness. We are called to glorify him who has called us unto himself. Lord, would you work in us and through us, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name.